Welcome to episode 53 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined in virtual studio by my good friend, my co-host, my colleague, and the man who is not a candidate for the New York Jets football head coach position, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's going on? Well, it's a big uh, it's a big day on the pod here. We've got a lot to to talk about. I mean, it's the first episode of 2021. Yeah, so we're, we're now we're now in year 2 of the pod as well. Yes. So. Yeah, season 2 you could even say here. Season so. 2. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, I I have a I have a guess th- as to what the answer is to this question, but um did you do anything noteworthy on New Year's Eve to celebrate the new year? Um, no, I went to bed early. Uh, that, that, that was, a was that your guess about? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So a uh, fun story about that. Uh, we went to bed gosh, probably 10 o'clock. Um, and we're awoken at midnight to booms. Uh, what turned out to be neighbors setting off fireworks, uh, which is pretty typical. Didn't, didn't bother me too much. But my first thought was we're in a war zone. We got to go, you know, and that, that was sort of my first reaction. And I realized, no, it's the new year. It's just our neighbors celebrating. And that was good and fine. So uh, was it your neighbor across the street who had the massive Christmas lights display? Is he also the neighborhood firework coordinator? I wouldn't be surprised, um, but I do have an electrician that lives over here. And he said he was thinking about getting his explosive explosion license or explosives license for the 4th of July. So he's a candidate. A fun story about the Christmas lights, and now I realize I'm getting into neighborhood stuff here, um, but our one neighbor across the street did all these Christmas lights. Um, it was hooked up to a radio station, all these things. We've talked about it before. The neighbor on the other side of me put up nice lights, but but very modest, sort of normal. Well, I came back from uh, uh, my uh, holiday, my Christmas holiday, and my neighbor had a sign in his yard uh, not the one across the street that has the big display, but the one next to me that has the modest lights. He had a sign in his yard that said, winner of Columbia City's light decorating contest. <laughs> and it's still there. I'm still laughing about it because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway. How well do you know this neighbor? Pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hang out. We watch basketball. Okay. So... You haven't had a chance to discuss this great award that he's won. No, no. I, I hope to ask him about it sometime, but I'm willing to bet it's something like his house got entered and the other guys didn't, or there were some rules in place or something like that. But it's just the visual of it's just pretty funny. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, we likewise were in bed, uh, not quite that early, but still before the the drop of the New Year's ball um you know I, I feel like by the time you get to my age there's really not much excitement in uh, in staying up that late uh so um i didn't I did, really i did hear it was pretty eerie watching like the ball drop in Times square with just no one there i did hear that was pretty haunting. i'm sure it was yeah i'm sure it was well for those of you who may be new to the program you can connect with us on social media you can follow us uh, at uh, V and S pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, various and sundry podcasts. You can give us a like and a follow. 
And you can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. And since it is the new year, why not make it one of your earliest acts of kindness to go over to the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating and a lovely little review of this little podcast that John and I do. We would be most appreciative if you could do us a solid on that. And it would make you feel better that you're making us feel good. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, it's a way of spreading joy. I, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when you really boil down what our mission on the pod is, that that's pretty much it, to, to, to spread joy. Yeah, absolutely. Spreading joy through various and sundry things, for sure. Indeed. Well, speaking of spreading joy, one of the sources of joy in the Harmon household over the past weekend here was... Ohio State's dominating performance in the college football playoff semifinal against uh, Clemson and their uh, excessively uh, obnoxious coach, Dabo Sweeney. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched about uh, probably about half that game. Uh, Frankly, running theme. It was on too late um, for me. But uh, it was it was a good game. I think Ohio State played a lot better. I was expecting, I think, Ohio State to win. I don't think I was expecting them to win as by as much as they did. Yeah, I think, um, in all honesty, I was uh, surprised as well by the margin of victory. I wasn't surprised Ohio State won. This, uh, really, the way that they played against Clemson was uh, – really what we were we as Ohio State fans were hoping this team would be and that finally showed up they hadn't shown that level of uh, consistency and execution and uh, they were certainly uh, helped by some extra motivation when uh, when Dabo released his final uh, coaches poll and he had ranked Ohio State 11th which he insisted was nothing personal it was just that they didn't play enough games uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's absolutely personal. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so, uh, the, the, the number of tweets towards the end of the game and then after the game, even among players on Ohio state commenting along the lines of, you know, not bad for the 11th ranked team in the country. Uh, if we're 11th, what does that make you Dabo? You know, those, th- those sorts of, of things, uh, which were, which were quite amusing. And uh, Justin Fields probably made himself some money. I think so. He played pretty well. Um, looks like Justin Fields from this season uh, again, which, uh, which hopefully creates some controversy at the top of the draft with him and uh, him and Trevor. Uh, I don't think that's going to be enough to dislodge Trevor Lawrence from the from the number one pick. But um, I, I do think if. Uh, you know, if Justin Fields plays like that, Ohio State has a very good chance of of beating Alabama. Uh, that's going to be a tough game, but uh, Alabama did advance because they beat some school. Help me out, John. Remind me of what school Alabama beat in the semifinals. Uh, I believe it was um, the school in the city where Pete Buttigieg is mayor. Yeah, the name just keeps escaping me here. Oh, it's Notre Dame. Um, That's all what the it Catholic is. schools are the same, basically. I mean, and look, 
I, I'm, I'm going to try to be gracious to our, uh, to our Notre Dame fans in the audience here. Um, I, I, I will just point out um, not all, but there were at least a few who were um, kind of, you know, strutting their stuff before the ACC championship game loss against Clemson and, you know, kind of talking some smack and claiming that they were better than Ohio state. And I just sort of nodded my head politely and smirked. And it was obvious that uh, Notre Dame is not on the same level as Alabama or Clemson or Ohio state that they have yet to reach that level in terms of talent and execution and all of that. They're just not there yet. Now, it was a better showing than their national title title performance from a few years ago. How long ago was that? Was that five or six years ago? Oh, it's more like eight. Oh, my goodness. Seven or eight. But it was a better showing than that. Uh, it, it was. But here, here's the deal. They, they showed a stat during the game, a graphic. I think it's since 2000. Notre Dame has played in like, I want to say it's like eight eight games in either like a um, in a new year's day six bowl or the college football playoff. Um, one of those like major bowls, their smallest margin of defeat was 14 points hmm. in those eight games. They've not been competitive in a big stage game like that in the postseason in over 20 years. Wow. So they're on the right track. They are trending better, but um, there's growth. There's growth. That there needs to happen, there sure. is growth, but they still got a ways to go. In any, any case, uh, Ohio state and Alabama for the national championship. And um, we will have to make sure that we record the next episode after that game so that we can have some post-game uh, reaction to that. So, yeah. When is that game? Uh, a week from, well, we're recording on a Monday, so it's January 11th, a week from tonight. Okay. So we can get in, maybe record on a Tuesday morning that week and have some post-game analysis. In other, NF, in other football news, the NFL regular season ended, and the, uh, the, the Jets' captivity of Adam Gase has come to an end. Mm-hmm. Praise, yeah. Yeah, major, major praise answered. They, they did not waste much time after their game in firing Adam Gase. Reports had started to leak out the day before that that was going to happen, which I found myself thinking everybody in the universe knows that the Jets are going to fire Adam Gase after the game. Yeah, you don't need a report for that. Um, when you uh, win two games in a season, uh, that happens. Yes. So uh, who, who do you want to coach your beloved Jets, John, since you're not a candidate for it? Yeah, I've taken myself out of the running. Um, I really like, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Eric Bieniemy is, is that, is that uh, the name, the, the Chiefs offensive coordinator? Correct. Um, but uh, honestly, I don't know. I, I really do trust Joe Douglas, uh, who's our uh, general manager. Um, and he seems to be taking the reins from ownership, which I think those owners have driven the franchise into the ground a little bit. Uh, so hopefully uh, he can make some good decisions. He's got a ton of draft picks to play with. Hopefully we can be more competitive next year. Um, and, and then the following years be uh, uh, in the playoffs. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I, I just want them to get the right guy. Not, the, not necessarily the splashy guy, if that makes sense. 
Yes, absolutely. Any preference on who you want your Jets to draft in the number two slot? You know, I think I like trading back and uh, and picking up some more uh, uh, role players and position players. So we probably need another offensive tackle at some point. Um, some some certainly some defensive backs as well. Uh, but um, other than that, I, I think we're probably sticking with Sam Darnold at quarterback. We might trade him. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what this offseason holds. The uh, one of the other uh, coaching uh, moves in the NFL was the Jacksonville Jaguars have fired their coach. Is it Doug Marone? Is that I believe that's his name? Doug Marone or Doug Maroney? One of the. One um, of the but really, the bigger issue with that specific job is the fact that rumors really began to emerge Saturday and then heated up yesterday, Sunday that Urban Meyer was seriously considering uh, taking that position. And uh, that, of course, sent the, uh, the internet on fire when it came to that, especially in light of the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one pick in the NFL draft and would, uh, in all likelihood, be able to take uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and that seems to be what they're going to do. Um, and I've heard everything from Urban Meyer to Dabo Sweeney to, to a number of other candidates to Jacksonville. But it sounds like the owner is really, really involved with that team. And my goodness, uh, control freaks like Urban Meyer uh, and some of these college coaches really don't like that. Uh, they like control. Um, so I don't see Urban going uh, personally, just because I, I think he wants more control than Jacksonville's willing to give him. Well, I just, I would be surprised to see Urban Meyer go. Um, I think that, um, you know, some people have uh, kind of poo-pooed this, but I, I do think that the one significant piece of him stepping aside at Ohio State were his health issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to see how taking on an NFL coaching job would do anything but uh, make that worse. He's got a sweetheart situation being um, a part of the athletic department staff at Ohio State and uh, being an analyst for, for Fox on their college football coverage, which he's doing uh, very well at. And so it just seems like it's a pretty easy and sweet life that he's got set up for himself now. I'm just not convinced that he's really going to uh, set that aside and go back to the utter grind that it is to be a, an NFL head coach. Um, yes. And I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be the wrong move for Jacksonville. Also um, urban Myers left his last couple of jobs because of health related issues. And he's not a long-term pick in, in my opinion for a, for an NFL head coaching job. I think he's probably what three to four years Um in a job and then probably stepping away for health related issues. Uh, so I, I, I think it'd be, I, I think there are better candidates out there for Jacksonville. Probably, probably. Uh, I personally was relieved to hear that uh, Ryan day head coach of Ohio state is not interested in taking any NFL interviews at this point. Um, I, I do think eventually he will end up in the NFL. Uh, I'm just hoping we can get a national title or two out of him before he goes. Uh, yeah, I heard that as well. I wasn't going to bring that up, but I heard uh, that he had said no to interviews with the NFL. But you know who did say yes, or it was interested in? Pat Fitzgerald, the football coach at Northwestern, 
really? who's a legend at Northwestern, was a one of their all-time great linebackers, and has just done about as well as you can imagine doing at Northwestern. That's one of those programs that has just significant disadvantages when it comes to being competitive at the elite level in college football. And he's made Northwestern a, a, a successful program. And so he apparently is willing to take some NFL interviews. Hmm. Interesting. So we'll see if anything pans out from that. Um, and the playoffs are starting next weekend. Uh, have you noticed they're starting? They, they've decided to call this what is like super wild card weekend or something like that. They try to yeah, come up have- with this promotional marketing uh, name for it to get people to watch. Yeah. And there's three games uh, on Both Saturday days. and three games on Sunday. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a couple of good days. Yeah. Any uh, let's, let's do this quickly here. Any, any, any thoughts on who's coming out and what's our Super Bowl going to be, John AFC versus NFC who you got. Gosh, this is such a hard choice. Well, um, I, th- I think I'm going to go out of the AFC. I think I'm going to take Buffalo. Um, I-, I like the surprise that Buffalo is, uh, that they're a two seed. I- I'm not a big fan of picking the one seed in general, just out of principle. Um, but then I think I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I think it's hard for me to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be Buffalo against the Bucks. How about okay. yourself? You don't like those picks. You look disgruntled. Um, I like, uh, I think the Buffalo picks a strong pick. Um, I, I still will take the chiefs. I think that they've just been bored. Mm-hmm. And, I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think that now that the playoffs are here, they'll kick it up a couple notches and they have the home field and they've got the buy. So they have one less game they have to win, but I could, I would not surprise me to see either Buffalo or, uh, or Tennessee come out of the AFC. I mm-hmm. can see either of those two teams coming out and it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. I agree. But I'm going to, I'm, I'm going with the chiefs. Okay. In the, in the NFC, I think it's really hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers having the home field advantage and having to go at green Bay, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go. Uh, and maybe this is more my, my heart than my head. I'm going to go with the saints. I know they're the two seed, but um, I'd like to see drew Brees get back to the super bowl. Okay. I, I like Drew. Um, or I like the Saints. I, I think they they could potentially I think they would I think they might struggle going into Lambeau. Um, I mean we're talking Lambeau in January. Yeah, weather's well, gonna be a huge factor there. We'll see. We'll see. Hmm. And then one last sports note. Uh, it was announced today, breaking news just before the pod here, that the NCAA is going to host the March Madness basketball tournament in and around the city of Indianapolis this year. So they're going to have uh, all of the games either in Indianapolis or some of them I think will be up in West Lafayette uh, on the campus of Purdue and some down in Bloomington uh, on the campus of IU. But uh, that's a big that's a big deal here for, for the Hoosier State. Uh, but it makes sense. I mean, I'm not sure you can find a state that basketball means more to than the state of Indiana. So that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited to have it in Indy. I, th- I think that's a lot of fun. I think it's going to bring potentially a lot of buzz to Indianapolis, uh, depending where we're at with restrictions at that point. But right. um, I think that could be uh, a ton of fun um, having that in Indianapolis. Absolutely. And speaking of a lot uh, of a ton of fun, uh, 
that brings us to our uh, to our main topic for the show today. As it is the uh, the beginning of a new year, uh, many of us often decide that perhaps it's a good idea to try to have a plan in place for one's Bible reading. And so we thought we'd talk a little bit today about um, Bible reading plans and uh, our own experience with those, as well as just uh, the value and importance of reading scripture in general, as well as try to resource you, our listeners, to uh, to, to put you in a good situation to, uh, to get yourself in scripture this year. I think uh, if, if there's any reality that, that strikes us from uh, a rough 2020, it's that we desperately need to be grounded in God's word as a source of truth and, uh, and, and, and comfort. And so it's, it's all the more uh, valuable to think about uh, starting off the new year uh, right when it comes to, to reading scripture. And so um, let's, let's just start with maybe some general thoughts on why is reading scripture so important for the life of the Christian? Yeah, my, my first thought, uh, Doc, in answering that question is, uh, my goodness, um, we have oriented uh, our, our entire uh, faith around this text. Um, and so I, th- I think it's important to know uh, what it says and how it says it and to be digging into it, um, as, as well as other things like it's, it's inspired, it's, uh, it's uh, profitable for teaching, you know, and, and for uh, reproof and training and, and all those things out of uh, Timothy. Um, and so I think I think we want to daily uh, use it as something of a of a guide, something of a of a true north for us. What well, what do you think of naturally when you think of why is this so important? Well, in 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 one basic sense, I think that um, it is it is the believer's spiritual food. Mm-hmm. And you know when you think about it, it seems silly to think about the physical world and think. Um, yeah, it's probably not that important to eat. You know, if someone said, I really don't think it's important to eat food. You'd look at them and say, are you crazy? Like, obviously that's the fuel for your body to function properly. And so, um, you know, it's at one basic level, it is the, the foundational uh, sustaining element of the Christian life is getting into scripture. And, and I would just say too, that um, it, if we truly believe that the most uh, important thing is encountering Christ, relating to Christ, relating to God, then um, the scriptures are the only place where you have the divinely authoritative means by which uh, to interact with Christ. Other Aspects of the Christian life, of course, are important. Fellowship with other believers, prayer, etc. Uh, but when it comes to uh, the centrality of, of Scripture, it's it's hard to argue that it's uh, not important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a foundational piece for uh, believers. Absolutely. So, so why do you think it's so challenging sometimes? I, I mean, if you if you talk to enough believers. Uh, it, it sure seems like that it is often a challenge for people to be consistent in their reading of scripture. And, and I don't know uh, if that's your experience, John, but um, 
obviously you interact with enough uh, others as well. If that's not your experience, you're familiar with this. So, so why do you think that is uh, oftentimes a challenge for people? Yeah, uh, I, two things really come to mind. Uh, the first is that um, the pace of life, uh, no matter your stage or uh, uh, what, what part of life you find yourself in, um, we just sort of have this habit uh, of going and going and going. And it's, there's, it's a struggle to find time uh, to be able to sit down, uh, to read, uh, to interact with scripture, reflect on it. Um, the, the modern world doesn't really have a mechanism built in for that. Um, and, then, and then the other thing is, I think in part because of that, uh, reading itself has really fallen on hard times. I, th- I think there's a number uh, of people who just frankly don't read very much, if at all. Um, so doc, when you think of why people struggle to read consistently, what, why is that? Well, I think you've definitely hit on a, on a couple of key components. Um, I, I think that we have, uh, we, we have become such a visual culture mm-hmm. that, uh, I do think that reading has fallen on hard times in general. And we are also such an entertainment based culture now that, uh, we, we are accustomed to experiencing the input uh, that is packaged, um, highly, uh, you know, um, highly produced kind of thing. And it can seem almost retro to sit down and, and open a print copy of scripture and simply read it. And I also think that uh, obviously, uh, there are a lot of challenges when it comes to reading the Bible in terms of, uh, you know, we live in a different culture. It, it, it feels like it, it operates in a different world. And so there's some of those kind of hurdles that, uh, that, 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 that we encounter when trying to read scripture as well. So I think all of those come together. And then honestly, I think for a lot of people, they don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have at least some loose kind of plan of, this is what I'm going to do that you then end up just sort of sitting down and maybe flipping open the Bible randomly, or just constantly gravitating back to the same sections of scripture that you are already familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Doc, just, just out of curiosity, uh, what Bible plans have you read uh, and have enjoyed? I think my most uh, enjoyable Bible reading plan has been the uh, McChain Bible reading plan. Mm-hmm. Robert Murray McChain was a, I think he was Scottish, if I remember correctly, uh, a Scottish pastor who created a Bible reading plan that basically uh, it, it gets you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament and the Psalms twice in the course of a year. So it is, it's, it's about four chapters a day. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's not something that is um, necessarily light, but I love the fact that it gets you through the entirety of scripture. And that was one of the most helpful things and just getting me uh, to see connections between different parts of scripture that oftentimes uh, I had not noticed before. So that's probably my most, uh, most helpful one that I've, I've used throughout the years. Um, I've also got a, a reading plan that uh, I've used for a number of years now to read through the Greek New Testament. And so um, having that as a plan has helped as well. But uh, what about you, John? What, what are some of the plans that you've used that you found helpful? 
Yeah, uh, I've used the, uh, the first one you mentioned. Um, I think I'd butcher the Scottish name, but I, I've used that uh, in the past and that's that's been really good. Uh, in fact, I used that not that long ago um, with uh, the Gospel Coalition, I believe, did a podcast through that uh, that plan that was, uh, that was really good. Um, I think that was this last year. Yes, I think that's right. Um, and then, uh, uh, I've also done the read scripture app, um, which is from the Bible project where they have videos interlaid and, and, uh, helps explain it. And that, that's been really helpful as well and been really good. Yeah. One of the things that's nice about that, uh, McChain Bible reading plan is, that um, D.A. Carson, we'll put all these resources in the show notes for our listeners. He wrote a two-volume um, devotional called For the Love of God, which is such a... <laughs> such a Don Carson title, yeah. Such a Don Carson title. And so there are four separate readings in the McChain Bible reading plan, and he picks one of them each day to give about a, like a one-page uh, a couple of paragraphs on um, on that passage, and that's it's really good, really helpful. So I would uh, I've I've benefited from that. Would would recommend that. And what you could easily do with even like the even using that particular plan is you wouldn't have to read through it in a year. You could just do half of it and sure. make it a two year kind of program. And you know I think that one of the, the key things that I hope people walk away from our discussion with is not necessarily you have to do this plan, but I hope they walk away with this idea of, I need to make a plan. I need to have some sort of plan in place that's going to help make sure that I'm consistent in getting into, uh, into scripture. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And on, on that note, doc, what are you doing this year? Well, yeah, so um, I'm just, in terms of uh, a reading plan, I'm doing just basically reading through the Old Testament. And actually, I'm continuing what I had started. Um, I started this back in probably November. So uh, uh, just a chapter, a chapter a day, reading through the Old Testament, as well as um, on on some days, at least, trying to... Uh, trying to recover my Hebrew a little bit. So I've been reading through this, a few verses of, of, of the Psalms in Hebrew. So, yeah. And, and maybe there's a good point, good moment to point this out is um, it doesn't have to be January for you to start a reading plan. Um, Absolutely. Any time of the year is a good time to start a reading plan. Um, so for example, uh, my wife, Andrea and I have started, uh, a reading plan together. And we started, goodness, probably back in November. Um, so uh, but we're, we're working through together. We're working through the Read Scripture app, discussing it afterward and uh, and watching the videos that go along with it. So nice. that's been really refreshing and good. Yeah. And I think that that brings up a good point too, that if you can bring someone else into it as well, that that's always a great, whether th- that means you actually read it together or you read it separately, but then come together and discuss it. Uh, that can be another great way of account of, of having accountability, but also enhancing your experience of scripture as well. Um, I, I want to make sure that we point people to, we've got a number of resources we'll have in the show notes, but there's one in particular that 
as we sat down to talk about this episode, we both said we have to make sure that we draw attention to this. And that is the Bible reading plan generator. Yeah. And you found this, um, where, where? <laughs> so <laughs> it's, um, it's done by a guy named John Dyer, and he's the guy that has actually put together the um, the website uh, bestcommentaries.com. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a he's a web guru. He he uh, he knows the dark magic of the uh, of the internet, and uh, we've got the link here. I think it's just BibleReadingPlanGenerator.com. And when you go to that, when you go to that uh, website, you can put in uh, when you want to start your plan, when you want to end it, you put in um, how much of the scripture you want to read. Do you want to read every day? Do you want to read just during the weekdays? So you can really customize whatever it is you want to do. And then it spits out um, what you need to read each time you sit down to accomplish that. Yeah. And you can split it up by, I mean, days of the week that you don't want to read. Like if you have one day of the week, that's just terribly busy and you can't read that day, you can take it out or you can add a daily Psalm or a daily proverb. Um, and you can break it up by how many words there are in each day of reading the number of chapters or the, the stories that are in there. Um, it's, it's quite customizable. Absolutely. So we would encourage people to check that out. And there are a number of, you know, pre-existing plans. So you may, maybe for some people that could be just paralyzing of, well, I don't know what I would even pick. There are plenty of pre-existing plans out there. So that if, if you want to look at what's uh, already available, we've got a, a link from Tim Challies. He's got uh, several recommendations. There's, uh, we've got a link from Crossway, the publisher, as well as a Desiring God uh link that's got some suggestions. So um, I, I think there we've got plenty of options for you. And of course, uh, here's the point for the shameless plug of the show. Uh, I did write a book called Asking the Right Questions, mm. a practical guide to understanding and applying the Bible. So uh, that might be a good thing to have alongside of you to get the most out of your reading of scripture, no matter what your plan is for uh, for this year. But John, I also wanted to make sure we mentioned non-print resources, meaning there are some other ways to get scripture into your life that don't involve having to read from a print copy of scripture. So so what are some of the ones that, that you would recommend? Yeah. So uh, ones that I've used in the past for uh, different times, um, the Dwell Bible app uh, is uh, a, a really popular one. Now that one does cost money. Uh, there's a subscription fee for that. Uh, but they have uh, really well, uh, really good voices read uh, the Bible to you. Um, and that's, uh, that's really good. Uh, you can even take like an individual section of scripture or a chapter or a couple of chapters and just listen to them on repeat. Um, so that's really good. Um, the read scripture app we've already mentioned. Um, and then one that I discovered this year was the commuter Bible podcast. Um, and it was designed for people that have a 20 to 25 minute commute to work. Um, and so they can listen to uh, a guy read the Bible um, once uh, once a day. Um, and so that was really cool. And it's just Monday to Friday for that podcast. Excellent. 
And uh, I'll, I'll just echo what you said about the Dwell Bible app. I actually bought a subscription for my wife for Christmas this year, and um, she's loving it. She's absolutely loving it, and um, she's been using it to um, to even fall asleep at night, hmm. where uh, she'll put some headphones in, and uh, that way she's got scripture going through her mind as she's drifting off to sleep. Um, and they have a, 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 a lovely sleep timer function that you can say, go for 20 minutes. And then assuming, you know, you'll, you'll have fallen asleep by then. Um, she also loves the, the variety of voices. They have reading plans built within that. Uh, I think she's currently uh, enjoying, I think it's Felix. I think that's the African mm-hmm. uh, accent uh, that, uh, that she's enjoying. So uh, lots of different options there. But, uh, you know, it's, I think it's well worth the subscription price. I think the, the regular price is around $30 for the year. Um, but I think you can get it even cheaper if you know where to look for some discount codes. Yeah, let's hope uh, that anytime your wife hears the scripture now, she's not just falling asleep. Like it becomes this sort of <laughs> repetitive thing where in church, we just sort of look over and, and Kate's fallen asleep because the pastor started reading his Bible. Yeah, I, I don't think we're fully buying into the uh, behaviorist kind of model here where she's being conditioned to fall asleep at scripture. But in any case, um, the, the bottom line is we would love to see uh, our listeners getting into the word and whether that means reading it, whether that means listening to it, whatever context that, that involves, we certainly would hope that uh, this year is, uh, is, is, an, is, is a time for you to grow in that area of getting more scripture into your life, both as an individual, as well as um, in, in community as well. Absolutely. Sure. All right, doc, let's move on to our athlete. Yes, indeed. We are at episode 53, and so we have got, um, we've got a number of options here. And so, John, how do you want to work through these? Why don't I read them? I'm I'm not totally sure who all these guys are, so I'm going to let you explain who they are, but I will read the names uh, if that, if that helps. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Don Drysdale. Yeah. Are you familiar with him? Well, other than the note that I see there that he's a pitcher for the Dodgers. Um, yeah, back in the 50s or 60s, I can't remember, but was a pretty dominant pitcher for the Dodgers. Um, had some big World Series uh, games in there as well. So uh, a little before our time. Uh, Harry Carson. Do you remember him from the Giants? I don't. When did he play? He played alongside um, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, I, I don't believe I probably saw Lawrence Taylor, probably, but I was probably pretty young. Yeah. Um, next we have Mick Tindelhoff. Tinglehoff. Excuse me. Tinglehoff. Excuse me. Center for the Vikings. Uh, fantastic name. Uh, yes. Uh, he is a little before my time. He was a dominant, um, a dominant, uh, center for the Minnesota Vikings during the, uh, sixties and se- 62 to 78. That's a long time for a center. He's, He's in the Hall of Fame, and he's still living at the ripe old age of 80. Um, Artis Gilmore? Yeah, was a center in the NBA for many years. Uh, pretty dominant uh, center. He played for a variety of different teams. I don't remember which ones, but I know he kind of got around the league a little bit. Maybe with the Spurs, I think, at one point. But this was, we're talking like 
seventies, I think maybe eighties at the, at the, at the latest. So before your time, John. Okay. That seems to be a theme here. Um, Daryl Dawkins. Yes. Well known in the eighties, late seventies into the eighties, uh, for, um, I think one of his nicknames was Dr. Duncan Stein. Oh, wow. Destroying backboards. He, before the day of, uh, of breakaway rims. Okay. Um, next we have Mark Eaton, another center, uh, for the Utah jazz back in the eighties. So, okay. And then I'm going to let you take this Ohio state player. Yeah. So, uh, Randy Grandishar was a linebacker in the early seventies, 1971 to 1973 actually finished sixth in the Heisman trophy voting, I believe his senior year. And according to, uh, Woody Hayes, the legendary Ohio state coach, he was the best linebacker he ever coached, uh, played for the Broncos in the NFL. All right, doc, who do you like here? Well, how do you go against a guy named Tinglehoff? I don't know. Um, I like Tinglehoff. Yeah. I believe in Tinglehoff. Big fan of Tinglehoff. So, uh, Mick Tinglehoff it is. And still live, grew up in Lexington, Nebraska and yeah. still lives there. Yeah. Yeah, one of these, one of those kind of legendary. He went off to University of Nebraska. You know, you know, he was a legend as a kid, right? And a high school legend went off to Nebraska. Then he plays in the NFL, and now he's this legendary NFL guy, just probably living in a small home on Main Street or got his farm out in the country. That people are like, did you know, Farmer Tinglehoff used to play in the NFL? Man, Tinglehoff. I like it. You better be tough if that's your last name. Mickey Tinglehoff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John, one thing you like this week. Um, well, this is a podcast I've been listening to for a while, but one that I've been leaning on um, as I'm trying to figure out personal finance. Uh, it's a podcast called Choose FI. Uh, it stands for Choose Financial Independence. Um, and that's been a helpful podcast as I'm trying to, f- trying to figure out finances for Andrea and I. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to go with um, my wife made these delightful uh, gyros out of uh, seasoned pork butt that you make in the oven. Oh, yeah. And then um, homemade tzatziki sauce. And oh, my goodness, it was amazing. It's one of those things that uh, the first time we had it this past weekend, it was like, okay, this is a new staple of the Harmon menu <laughs> now. This is going to be r- regularly worked into the rotation. Really? Okay. Well, very nice. Yes. So one episode for 2021 in the books, right. John Slow. That's right. Yeah. I think, sure. I think it's about time for us to call mission accomplished, wouldn't you? Agreed. I say so. And so um, we have talked about Bible reading plans. We've talked about Ohio State football. We've talked about the Jets' woes, but hope for the future. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Mickey Tinglehoff. Mickey Tinglehoff. And we've talked about pork butt gyros. I I feel like we have once again lived up to our various and sundry titles. Absolutely. And so all that's left for us to say is until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.